This is the MagicWordPodcast.com. The second full day of the uh, Magic of the Beach is about to begin, and as the contestants are readying in the wings, uh, both close-up and stage, both of which are going to be on the stage here in the Charles Bach Wonders Theater, I've got uh, with me actually one of the competitors who's going to be uh, uh, out here this morning, and he is a longtime listener also, Dale Raven. Hey, Dale. Hey, Scott, long-time listener, first-time caller. <laughs> so glad. Yeah, this is first time, actually. We've had a chance to, yeah. to chat. I mean, we, we yeah. talk over uh, Facebook all the time, it yeah. seems like. But right. uh, So you are a contestant in the stage, is that right? That is correct. Why did you decide to do stage, or have you competed here before? I have not competed here before. Uh, the president of our ring encouraged me to perform, and so I gave in, and uh, here we are. And so, are you doing illusions, or are you doing a talking actor? Oh, no, no, no. I'm not much of a talker. Sometimes I'm doing billiard balls and thimbles. Oh, some manipulation act. Okay. Uh, yeah, yeah, yes. it, yeah, exactly. Has that been your interest in magic uh, particularly? Or? Oh, yeah. I've recently come in to do, started doing the thimbles, but I've always liked the multiplying balls. And so, I, I do a simple routine. It's nothing fancy like a lot of these guys, but it, it's what I do. Yeah. And I enjoy it. It's one of the tricks my wife likes. Oh, well, that's always good, you know, <laughs> if you impress your wife, for sure. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, the president was the one who encouraged you then to come over. And you, yeah. you don't live but a few miles away, basically. Uh, yeah, I live about uh, thir- 25 minutes away mm-hmm. uh, from here. Uh, and so, it's, it's close, it's convenient, and... Uh, um, I'm, I'm glad to be here at the beach and glad to be a part of uh, Ring 334. And you have uh, also participated or attended a lot of these uh, Magic of the Beach in the past? I'm, the first one. Oh, it is? First one, yeah. For being so close, I'm surprised. Well, I was in Maryland for 14 years. Okay. And so when they started up Magic at the Beach, I was in Maryland. Now my You don't have a Maryland accent. Well, I'm from South Carolina. Oh, there we go. That's what yeah. I got. <laughs> Raised in the middle of the state in the Columbia area. And uh, moved to Maryland for work. And uh, uh, my former ring in, in Columbia, South Carolina, we put on the SCAM convention, uh, the South Carolina Association of Magicians. And when that one uh, stopped, we stopped, they stopped putting that one on, then they started Magic at the Beach. And so, um, I, you know, I wasn't able to come to the uh, Magic at the Beach conventions yeah. Because of the distance. And it was always earlier in the year. So yeah. coming from Maryland, going through West Virginia and Virginia, you get some snow and, and ice and stuff. So it made it a little tricky. I understand. Uh, were there some other conventions that you've attended? This isn't your first magic convention. Either. Oh, no, no. I've been to uh, the, uh, the Gatlinburg. the Winter Carnival. Winter Carnival. I've been. My very first convention was Atlanta Harvest. Uh, down yeah. and that was just last weekend. I think they had that. Then I too. Think Ken so. Scott's putting it on now. Yeah, yeah. It, I'm sure he, Scott's doing a great job. It, it, it was fun. Uh, you remember who was there? First conventions or? Uh, oh my goodness! Um, first, they, um, David Roth was there. Um, uh, not back. Um, um, Gene Berger. Oh, Eugene Berger. Yeah. Eugene Berger was there, and. Uh, those are the two I remember the most. Yeah. I can't quite remember the anybody else. They made such an impression. Yeah. You know, at the first convention, uh, MAES. I've been to a couple of their conventions. Uh, of course, the scam convention. Um, but you encourage other people, obviously, to go to conventions because you've learned a lot oh, from them. Oh yeah, and the greatest thing I've learned from helping put on a convention is to let somebody else put on a convention. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's right. Let somebody else. Uh, because it's it's so appealing at yeah. first, you know. Oh, we, let's put on a convention. We can get all these guys and stuff. Yeah. But you don't realize how much work is involved in a convention. Yeah. You know, it, it's a tremendous amount of work. It, it, it seems like you have a small group of people that do all the work. Yeah. At a convention. Well, that's the way I think of it. Most magic clubs are. You yes. Know? Yeah. 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 Exactly. I mean, it's you've got a small group of people that's willing to. To put in the work and, and, and put on the conventions or put on the meetings and stuff, and everybody else just wants to sit back and enjoy, yeah. you know, what's going on. Well, going back for a minute about the contest, that you said this is the first contest, and so you were encouraged by the president to, to do that. But you've been 
actively interested in manipulation and other kinds of things in the past, but it's just you, do you do a lot of shows or something? I, so I do not. I'm, I'm basically a hobbyist. I, uh, when I was in Maryland, I used to um, participate some in the, uh, the public shows that yeah. the, the ring put on. Um, so it, up there, it was like every other year I'd perform. Every other year I would be you know, doing spotlight or helping backstage or something. But, yeah, yeah I, I like manipulation. Uh, I don't think I'm that great at it, but it's, it's, it's something that I like. Yeah, yeah. You know, and, and you don't see a lot of people getting involved in it. Uh, I don't think like you used to. Not like it was. I think you're right. Maybe it's just an aging population of magicians or something. You know? Yeah, you know, the, the young people, I don't know what they're into besides the Carterstry, you know, because they don't show up to the meetings and stuff there. Yeah, I think a lot of them are able to get that social fix through social media, you know, basically. Right. So. Yeah. Um, so as to this convention then last evening and yesterday when it got started, uh, was there something that was a highlight from yesterday that comes to mind? Um, I, I think I really enjoyed the uh, the close-up show. Yeah. That was really good. Um, Steve Beam. I was just about to say Steve was awesome. <laughs> oh, man. Hilarious. The, the, the last trick he did, I, I saw him do it before. That's my one of my favorite mm-hmm. car tricks. In fact, when I started, uh, joined the, my first uh, ring, Steve Beam was in the uh, the club, and uh, I've always been a fan of Steve, and I finally got to see Dan Harlan. I wanted to see him mm-hmm. live. Very good. Was not disappointed at all. Right, right. And Go-Go, and um, let's see, who else was on the John Chirac? John, oh, yeah. I've seen his name for a long time, never seen him perform, not even on uh, YouTube or anything. But oh, really? Okay. Yeah. Very good. Yep. Man, I, I'm, I'm Perfection so in action. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, he was doing uh, the act that's, I think, his opener uh, when he was working at um, Warren and Annabelle's before okay. it closed in Lahaina, yeah. Uh, Hawaii. Yeah. So. But, uh, yeah, yeah, close up. I can't wait to see what uh, they, they do tonight mm-hmm. in the show. And uh, the, the lectures that are coming up, it's, it's been a long time since I've been to a convention, and, and I'm happy to be back at one. Yeah, I'm looking forward to uh, hearing Charles Box lecture on uh, watch steel. Yeah, yeah, I, I, not something I want to do, but it's something I, I, I'd like to, to see somebody talk about. Because, mm-hmm. you know, it's, you don't have to let, go to lectures on stuff that you want to hear. You, you find out a lot of stuff from lectures that uh, you may not necessarily be interested in so very well said and i think that's why it's important to not only attend conventions but also to attend lectures that you think might be outside of what your normal performance comfort level would be because you might or even watching a show you might be thinking well, I'm, I'm not this type of entertainer but there might be something that they do that you know would cause your creative juices to flow to think i might be able to incorporate a similar idea or you know kind of add on to that exactly exactly one of the things i like to do is uh, i like to read about stuff that i don't do or never do like illusions or cruise ships or, or nightclubs you know I, but I, I just love reading about that and finding out more about that kind of stuff great to hear those kinds of stories and also in fact what i understand that later tonight i mean late tonight before the houdini lounge opens they're going to uh get some of the guys together because most of the people here uh, again who are booked as a talent are friends of charles bach that he's worked with for a long number of years mm-hmm. so late tonight they're going to be talking about stories from the road right yeah so. that that oh that's that's kind of that's my kind of that's the meeting potatoes i like i like to hear stories yeah. which is exactly that's what i like about this podcast because they're about stories you know everybody's life is a little bit different i always believe that there is a book in everybody and everyone has an interesting oh, yeah. life and so it, that's why i want to talk to as many varied people as i can to learn more myself but then uh, also just to hear these kinds of stories you know oh i agree i agree i i, I just love because i don't have those experiences because i don't perform it, you know it's, it's cool to hear somebody else's yeah yeah, yeah. It, it's just wonderful because you know they have a different life than i have and it, it's it's exciting to me it might be boring <laughs> or, or routine for them but it's exciting to hear all the different stories that they have that's why i like whenever on your podcast you get people to tell stories yeah and uh it, it's just great yeah just great yeah. to hear well, thank you very much, Dale. I'm glad that you're here. So, again, glad to put the voice to the face. <laughs> so uh, long too. Me so. too. Glad to meet you, Scott. So with the Magic Word Podcast, that was Dale Rabin. Scotty out. All right, Scott. 
We just finished a lecture by uh, Steve Beam that was really good on cards. Who would have guessed? Uh, and it was uh, good. It was funny uh, and informative. And it was uh, a pretty good crowd. It had most people, I think, in the audience here. And right now I've got with me, with me one of the people who is a performer uh, this weekend. And that's a longtime friend, Eric Buss. Hey, Eric. What's up, Scott? How you doing? <laughs> I'm doing great. Good to see you. And good to see you. So I'm, I, when I saw you were on the bill, this was great because I don't see you at a lot of conventions. I mean, you're working. Like the real people most of the time. That's what I say on Facebook anyway, yes. But I'm <laughs> well, not believe... in, not at too many conventions these days. <laughs> well, everything on Facebook is true, you know. Yes, it's true. Like... <laughs> if it's on the Internet, it's true. <laughs> exactly right. Now, you're here because you're a friend of Charles's, and so what, let me go back a little bit about where you guys met and how you worked together. Oh, man. Uh, back when we were both in our 20s, I would go to Vegas with John Chirac, and we'd hang out with Greg Fruin and Charles Bach and this whole gang of people as we all worked on our acts. Was that and back then, in the time of, like, the Caesars Magical Empire? Yeah, it was okay. like the mid early 90s, mid-90s, the, the heyday, my favorite decade of, the, of Vegas, personally. <laughs> um, but, yeah, we'd go stay at Charles's house. He had a mansion for being a mid-20-something-year-old. Mm-hmm. And uh, we'd all crash there and work on our acts and had a blast. And then the older we got, you know, life started happening. Wives, kids, and all that, traveling. So I haven't seen him in quite a while, and I certainly haven't been to this venue. So I'm very excited to be here for that. So he booked the convention as kind of a reunion for his own friends, Mm -hmm. which was selfish and awesome. So (laughs) here we all are. There's a few outsiders here, but that's fine. That's (laughs) the way I always feel, kind of like that we've come to a party, you know, as an invited guest of of Charles Bach, who's got all of his friends who are coming to, you know, congregate. They haven't been together, you know, for such a long time. But we're friendly. We'll take new new friends as well. Even me. Yeah. (laughs) You are welcome in our group, Scott. Uh, And uh, now uh, you live in Los Angeles uh, area, but you're traveling a lot. Have you been doing some cruise ships here of uh, late? I'm bouncing around from cruises. I uh, just finished a fair in Yakima, Washington. I don't like to brag, mm-hmm. but I was in Washington <laughs> for 10 days right after a cruise. Uh, after this, I'm going back to Marvin's uh, in Palm Springs. How funny. I was just about to bring oh, that up if you've worked over Jeff's cool place. Venue. Yep. Awesome venue. I did it, uh, what was it, March of this year. I'm back mm-hmm. no, mid-November, so I'm really excited That's about just that. kind of up the road from you, isn't it? It's not too uh, far. Two, really. two, two and, and a half hours. Okay. Yeah, yeah, two hours. Because uh, Ron Saylor's got another place. Have you worked up at his place? Bakersfield, yep. Yeah. He books like eight years in advance. Yeah, I know so. he's pretty far because he just has like one show a month It's a monthly something. show, yeah. and he's booking all his favorites, which I, is awesome. And uh, yeah, so I have done Bakersfield, but I don't. I don't yeah. do it too often. No. Well, nobody does. Nobody does. <laughs> Once every few years. <laughs> but yeah, think life's life's good. I'm also trying to balance my family and my wife and kid at home. My kids playing baseball. So. I was going to say your son's going to be what? Twelve? Eleven? Yeah. Eleven. Okay. Good memory. <laughs> um, yeah, he's playing baseball, so I'm kind of bouncing back and forth. And my wife works, so uh, I'm I'm just trying to find the balance. Which yeah. lately I have found the balance. It's good. That's great. So you get yeah. to spend a lot more time than with your your family. I'm at and home, and then when they get sick of me, I book a gig and leave. And then when they <laughs> it's miss good me, for I everybody. Come home. Yeah, it works. <laughs> it's a win-win-win. It everybody is. all the way around. <laughs> uh, now you just have the one son, is that right? Just Correct. The one child, as I recall. One kid. Yes. It seems like it was only yesterday that uh, she was pregnant, or you were talking about that. You know, we were all in the hotel room with Jeff Williams, and you might remember. God, when we was were, that? Oh well, obviously over 12 years ago. You yeah. Know? <laughs> wow. But anyhow, yeah, I just remember uh, discussing that because we were throwing out some uh, names for you to suggest. I forgot about that. (laughs) God, what were some of those names? That was funny. Well, Jesus was one of them. Yeah. God, I forgot about that. That was funny. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, anyhow, uh, so this is a good convention. A lot of other guys who are here who are friends of uh, Charles Bach then as well. And uh, I just kind of tell the camaraderie. And I'm looking forward to later this evening. There's going to be uh, this thing. It's called, it's called uh, Tales from the Road. So, yes. uh, I, I, you know, I was up with some of you guys there late last night and hearing some of the tales that I've been left out on. It's like, oh, my gosh, it sounded like it was so much fun. So I know there's some things you can tell, some that you can't. So it's yeah. a nice evening. Well, I haven't. Uh, come up with a story yet. I have plenty of <laughs> horrible failure stories. Well, they'll uh, come to you, I guess, you know, kind of like well, like a joke. So that reminds me. Yeah, you know? yeah. And I think it's like an open mic. So I, yeah. I haven't been asked to do it or signed up or anything, but oh. I guess if it's just an open mic, you can kind of just go I tell think your Kerry story. Pollack is kind of yeah, emceeing the Moderating, thing. yeah. Yeah, well, I'll have to come up with one of my many, many, many horrible bombing, <laughs> I am horrible stories, and I have plenty. <laughs> well, those are always good to hear, because yes, I think that's what people like to kind of learn from, yep. their mistakes yep. about how that they can improve in the future and everything, yep. you know, then as Absolutely. well. Uh, so, uh, ha- have you been talking about um, 
doing something in Las Vegas uh, of late? Uh, no. Okay. Um, no, I... I like Vegas, but as I said, I liked it in the 90s, mm-hmm. and it's constantly changing, which change is good. Uh, it's extremely expensive, and unless I'm there for Magic Live or something, yeah. I don't go. I wish they had gigs where they would rotate magicians. That would right. be wonderful to yeah. go there for a few, you know, a week at a time. Mm-hmm. But they don't, and no, I'm, I don't want to live there. Yeah. I'm, we're not going to move there. I'm not going to spend half the year there. Yeah. So unless it's a gig that books me for a week at a time, I don't care <laughs> I, thought, I thought about moving out there but the issue is i'm afraid of water uh there's not gonna be as much water and right you know yeah, how many more issue. years have you actually got left before they you know the lights dim implode yeah. right yeah i love the town but it's it's also very difficult and i love la i i love la too except for the traffic well uh, well there is a lot that. of people don't love la <laughs> but yes i still depends on what your commute is I still you know? love it. yeah exactly uh, now one last thing and then i'll let you go and this is because i had asked you this question last night and i know some uh, listeners are interested as well because they knew that during covid that you were building tree houses and uh, since then obviously you've you know, you're doing your regular job then again so are you building anything now or? um i haven't built one since july 2021 which was the end of the treehouse era mm-hmm. i am still available to build them but no um inquiries stopped <clears throat> excuse me I wanted to travel more. I've gotten a few people that are interested, and it's extremely difficult to plan, you know, building, being home and building versus uh, taking a cruise or a gig that comes sure. up or something. And I don't want to start one and then be gone for three weeks and then kind of have to come back and finish it. Right. And I'm also waiting for, like, celebrities to hire me and throw, you know, $30,000 at me. And yeah. that just hasn't happened yet. So <laughs> it was a wonderful chapter, especially during COVID. It was, I think about it quite often, and I uh, bought all new power tools with it. So, yeah. I mean, now I have everything I ever need for power tools, and they're all within three years old. Um, so it's all wonderful. But... No, I don't really do it anymore. Yeah, the pictures that I saw about how that you had built them around the trees and the branches and everything, you know, obviously custom everything, yeah, you know, every for every one, yeah. yeah, for every tree. Yeah. And you got started with that by building one for your son, is that right or? Yeah, well his is the the dumbest one of all of them. It's it's basically <laughs> it a first platform. Yeah, it's a 4-foot <laughs> high platform that's 8 feet long, 4 feet wide, and it's it's tucked in some trees. It's not technically held up by the trees, but it's yeah. tucked in. Uh, but yeah, I built that and realized that I could do it. Mm-hmm. And then his teacher hired me to build one uh, at her place for her son. And that was the first one, A, that I was paid for, and B, that I was working with a tree. Mm-hmm. And so I learned a lot on that one. And, you know, even though, you know, you make mistakes, but you can correct them because there's you just take it apart and then redo it a different way. And I'm not just drilling holes into the trees, you know, willy-nilly. Right. Right. So... It's kind of just something you can massage and work with until you're done. And the client is in their house and they, you know, they don't know, they're not paying attention. Right. So it really, I hate to say it, but it's really not that hard. (laughs) (laughs) Big bolts, big pieces of wood and uh, go to town. But yeah, that was the the real learning one was hers and uh, did a lot of research on YouTube, a lot of research for tools, a lot of research on, you know, uh, decking and framework and all that stuff. Right. Um, and I was, I just became fascinated with how you became a tree hugger. Exactly. (laughs) Yes. And now I hug trees and, uh, yeah. So, and then they, you know, they did get better and better after that, but it was kind of that first one that kind of taught me like, Oh, this is possible. This isn't, this isn't that hard. I just have to, you know, it makes sense. I was just thinking about how you're marrying boards with trees. I mean, wood with wood. Yes. (laughs) Sometimes the trees get pissed that you're bolting their cousin into them. Here's your dead cousin. Hold on to this. Hold on to this for a while. (laughs) Exactly. Well, I'm looking forward to uh, seeing you perform. You're not going to be doing the pogo thing by chance, are you? I am not doing the pogo stick tonight, no, because Wacky Chad is uh, better on pogo sticks than I am. He is... You could, but about the, uh, you're going to be doing some looping? Or some... I did not bring a looper either. No, I'm doing some, other, doing? some other routines. <laughs> okay. I got more than that. Oh, more. <laughs> not a one-trick pony. No, I will be making a mess tonight and uh, goofing around. So, yeah, it'll be That'd fun. Be fun. That'd be great. Uh, have you been? Have you ever thought about going back on uh, America's Got Talent or doing anything? No. Mm, no. Okay. <laughs> that show gives me anxiety, I and I understand. don't like it. <laughs> no. Once was awesome. It was a fun experience. I don't need to do it again. Yeah. Uh, TV, yes. TV, yes. Competition shows, no. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah. Um, I've often thought that unless you have a motive for winning it, in other words, you want to put butts in the seat, you want to sell tickets or whatever, you know, that's one thing whether you win or lose, but at least people, you get more presence, you know, sure. notoriety that way. But if you don't have an end game, then why necessarily? you got well, nothing, everything to lose and nothing to gain. I'm 49 in two weeks. Hmm. And they're really looking for, you know, younger people and uh, yeah. a lot more uh, diversity. Yeah, you're about ready to age out of And masters, I'm a middle-aged white illusion. dude. So, yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> I am, uh, I'm not what AGT is looking for anymore, and yeah. that is fine. Yeah. Um, and I don't – I love watching the talent. I don't need all the interviews and the savvy stories and yeah. all that. It's yeah. never been – I'd much rather watch Ed Sullivan yeah. uh, with today's talent. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. that's what I would love. Yeah. Um, so, no, I, I don't need to do AGT again, but good for everyone who's done it yep. and done much better than I did on it. And so. moved on. That's great. Well, yeah. listen, good seeing you, Eric. And good to uh, see you. congratulations on uh, all the successes and things yet to come. As Thank well. you so much. And I'll wish you an early happy birthday. Thank you. Bye bye, everyone. This is the Magic Word Podcast. That was Eric Buss. Scotty out. We're now in the Divas Room, which is over in uh, Dave and & Buster's, and quite literally 25 steps away from the front door of the Wonders Theater. And uh, it's uh, lunch hour right now, and so some people have gone to lunch, some people have come over to the Divas Room. It looks like we've got about a dozen dealers or so in here, and one of the first people, as you walk in the door, can't miss him, my friend and yours, Patrick Prozecki. Hey there, Patrick. Hey, Scott. <laughs> hey, thanks for stopping by. You're welcome. How can I avoid it? I mean, you got the best mats right here, and of course, you're right at the front door. you got the prime position. <laughs> people coming and Luck of the draw, I guess, yeah. That's right. So what's new in the mat world? New in the mat world, uh, we're still uh, working on our our trifold mats. Uh, A lot of things we're doing now are custom jobs. Mm -hmm. People want uh, certain things built into the mat. Oh, you mean like electronics or magnets? Well, we have spots for electronics, uh, magnets, uh, coin slides. Oh. I always think of that as being like a heavier table kind of a thing, but you actually can make it. No, we've incorporated a lot. Uh, Mm -hmm. I just... uh, do a lot of custom work. Someone just bought a, a round, or an oval table, mm-hmm. sent me a pattern, we free cut it with embroidery. looks really nice. Uh, and One of the things that uh, we talked about, I think, before was uh, you've been doing embroidering for a little while, but then you've got like this other new process of uh, putting color on top of the mats. Yeah, we can do the, it's called dye sublimation. That's why I was thinking. And, and that's done with our, uh, our lighter colored <laughs> spectrum mats, but you can get your artwork if it's real busy if it's got, got a lot of detail in it sometimes printing is the way to go mm-hmm. and there's no setup fee not well sometimes there is but we're actually just printing on a map yeah we have a, we have a special printer with special ink and you take your picture and it prints it out backwards and they uh you put it on with a heat press and it heats up to 400 degrees fahrenheit and then the ink becomes the gas and it, it gets infused in the in the fibers of the of the material, mm-hmm. so there's no running of ink or anything. It's pretty clean and it gets pretty pretty sharp. And it doesn't really uh, come out or get dull or crack. I mean, after you've been rolling the mat and carrying it around for a while. No, it's part of the fiber, so it doesn't. It's not like a, a silk screen. That's what I was going to say. It's not yeah. like a silk screen. Now I was talking with you yesterday about uh, when you get creases in mats, and you said you might be putting together a video on how to uh, get these out. What do you recommend? Yeah, there's a it's. The crease in the mat is usually the, uh, the, the foam getting pinched. So uh, there's a way with hot water and steam and friction, you can get those out of your mat. And we're putting on some videos on our website to uh, actually walk you through it, show you how to do it with our mats or anyone else's. Every once in a while, they're beyond repair, so you just got to get a new right. one yeah. like, like anything else. Well, the reason I was asking uh, you yesterday, as I had said, I just uh, was in the process of moving, and the movers uh, took my mat, and they folded it like two or three times instead of rolling it. So I've got these creases you know, down the middle of one of my big professional mats, you know, that you'd you know, um, embroidered my name on there, so I really want that to uh, look sharp again. Well, but, we'll, we'll work on it best we can, yeah. but we might uh, get you a new one and uh, <laughs> get some new and improved methods. Well, you know, another thing as far as carrying mats and storing them, like, like they fold it and you shouldn't have is to roll it and uh, a tip you would give me a long time ago is fold it with the felt out yeah because uh, what that does is stretches the foam whether and you, if you roll it away with the with the fabric on the inside it crushes it and, and creates more creases mm-hmm. uh, that all depends also on the, the material that's on there right uh, some some mats roll better than others 
Yeah, and uh, the ones you have that are the folding type mats, I like it whenever you open it, it does not show a crease in the middle of that then either. Well, it's there is a little crease in the middle because it, there's no foam underneath the right. cut line. Uh, it's just science. And we also make uh, a mat or a case that you can fold it up and, and put it right in the carry case, and it's made right just for each mat. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I like the, the variety of sizes that you have, but one I particularly like for a walk around, it fits inside of your suit coat pocket. Right, yeah, it does. It's that's well, The first one we made was actually to do that for a fellow in. Uh, a magician in Italy really gave us the first idea, and then we expounded on it. Yeah. And uh, we also have the if you're a table hopper, it's called the Comet Table by Michelle Hewitt out of Montreal. Mm-hmm. It's a round in, it's a clips right onto any table. If you're doing table hopping, uh, you can go to his website or mine, and we can take a look at it. Uh, I have one of my own, and I love it. And it's a 12-inch round. Uh, table hopping and it's it's really cool. It just sits right on top of the table, kind of in, on the edge, and it doesn't connect so much. I mean, it just uh, I, I know what you're saying. He showed us that the 4F when he was uh, yeah. Well, it connects it connects under the table, so yeah. it's gravity. You don't have to. No That's screws. what I'm trying to say. Using gravity. Basically. Yeah, and it, it lifts it lifts everything a couple inches off the table, so everyone can see, especially at a long table. Right, and you're not necessarily imposing on someone's plates right. and everything else and on their table you know that way you can have other things that are underneath it actually exactly so, it's yeah. it's uh that's michelle Quat. uh he always told me to pronounce the name Quat, like you are you hot well you know, thank you, you. I'm, glad you, you I'm glad you cleared you that up I'm h-u-o-t that up. uh what is your website so people uh, can get to it if they were interested uh, in the mats patsmats.com p-a-t-t-s-m-a-t-t-s.com Remember that got four T's in there. Yeah, yeah, I stole some T's from somebody, so four T's. Some guys T's. some guy's walking around with no T in his name. <laughs> Just call me Sco. <laughs> Not Scott. <laughs> that was Patrick Rosecki. For Pat's Mats, Scotty out. So uh, we talked earlier with uh, Dale Rabin, who was a contestant in this morning's uh, uh, stage contest, and I've got another contestant with me then right now, Michael Barefoot, who is a local guy. Hey there, Michael. Hey, how you doing, Scott? Fantastic. And I say local because you actually live in Morton Bleach. Yes, right? sir. Okay. Like four miles from here. And you sound from your accent that you were born here. <laughs> Darlington. The racetrack. Darlington. Okay. Okay, how far away is that from here? 75 miles. Close enough. Yes, know? sir. <laughs> That's the area. Now, your act, obviously, is something that is your professional act that you've been doing for a long time. Very tight, uh, very good, and one thing leads to the other. It's a, yes, sir. It's a silent act, and it's a rock and roll kind of a thing. Yeah, um, I do it at my theater show at the GTS Theater. Where is that? GTS. It's right down the road from Bach's place. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'd heard there were, like, two other uh, magic theaters in town. No, it's just um, Bach and I, really. Um, there's another guy who does, like, Cirque du Soleil stuff. He just does it during December and January. Okay. Nice guy named Dizzy. Really good. Really yeah. good. Now, is yours kind of in a mall like this or an outdoor strip mall? No, or sir. What's it? It's um, self-standing. Oh, really? um, we have a couple of shows. We have the best show of Motown you'll see in the South. Mm-hmm. It's sold out three nights a week, the Motown show. And then we have a Elton John tribute artist on third wow. Thursdays. And then they have me twice a week uh-huh. doing my show. I do a 4 o'clock show and a 7 o'clock show. So the theater's not owned by you. You actually just oh, do no. your show there. Yeah, I do my show there. Yes, sir. I, I, that's too much trouble to try to own something. <laughs> <laughs> well, in developing your show, how did you decide what's in and what's out? Well, uh, I, made up this, I made up this act because I have a 1970s character that I do called Mr. VIP. That's my real competition act right now. But I'm trying to get this one just so I could... I would like to try to win something. Since I wasn't on the main show, yeah. I thought I would do something to be on the shows. Yeah. That's well, it was good. I mean, Thank that was so a highlight. Much, yeah, really Thank good. you, sir. Thank you. And you're hard to impress, man, because we're, <laughs> we're both Fechner guys. That's you right. know how it goes. <laughs> and we've seen a lot. No, that's for sure. Are you a judge for the close-up? I, so I, wanna, I, oh, I oh, am. Oh, you'll love it then. Okay. You going to do a close-up tomorrow, too? Yeah, I'm doing something nobody's ever done up close, I think. Oh, don't tell me. I know. I know. <laughs> that's why I was waiting. Yeah. Now, you've been to uh, Magic of the Sea several times in the past, I'm assuming. Yes, yeah, great. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yeah. Um, like I said, the last time I think I was here was 2013. Oh, wow. Okay. Yes, sir. And then they always put on a great show, too. How have you missed this in the past? I mean, it's just like down the road here. Because I norm- I'm normally out of town doing oh, okay. the shows because, you-, okay. you know, I work every night. So yeah. it's yeah. tough. Well, uh, we're talking about doing rock and roll magic and you know kind of a thing. We're talking about Michael Tricks earlier. Yeah, Michael you know, Tricks, he's there's a, great a guy, guy. That's working every every night also yeah, in his place. Yeah, out, outside, outside too in the hot sun. He's crazy, man. It's South Florida. We're so humid. That's why I don't he's know so how skinny. He does. That's why he's so skinny. I guess. <laughs> 
Yeah. Uh, and he does birds, which I think would be kind of hard. I've asked him about that, about birds flying away. You know. But. Yeah, I mean, like, well, uh, there's certain ways that, you know, if you train with him enough like he has, he probably don't fly away. Yeah. But there's techniques that, you know, Greg Fru would talk about. Um, Tony Clark's told me different things, you yeah. know. The best one is um, the one where you cut every other wing. Hmm. Uh, sorry, every other feather. Feather, okay. So yeah. that way it looks like it's still full. I've and, heard that. Do you have to do that regularly then too? Yeah, if you don't practice with them. Okay. Yeah, mm-hmm. so I've been trying to practice with mine, so I don't. I haven't been doing that. I was happy they didn't fly away because I remember at Nationals one time when they flew away, and they never done that before, and they said, well, next time it happens, just tell the guy to hit pause because yeah. I just picked up the dove, put him in the cage, like, you know, bad toad, bad toad. They said you can't do that to animals. So, <laughs> so now if a bird flies away, stop the music, pick yeah. him up, yeah. and show that you care, and yeah. then it helps out a lot. I had a bird that kept landing. I had put it on the perch. I, mean, I used to do doves, yes, and it kept uh, you know going down, just sitting on the ground. And I pick it up, put it on the perch, did it like like twice during yeah. the show. And uh, then when I vanished the bird, then later when I took the bird out of its hiding place, there was an egg in there. Oh, I guess so. It she was happen. trying. She was yes. trying to lay an egg. Yeah, and that, <laughs> yes. I, I, I've heard that before. I've heard of a guy actually producing the bird, and the egg actually because they're so little. Yeah. Just fall down, you know. That's from the perch. It probably looked like it was yeah, yeah. bird poop or something. Yeah, yeah, because it just cracks. You yeah, know? yeah, that's yeah. scary. When I was talking with Michael, talking about uh, does flying away, as I recall, there was one that did, and he lost it for a couple days. But it flew into a neighborhood, and there was someone who called him saying, "I know you're a magician, and I, I saw this white dove, and it was a little bit different. I thought yeah, it must be yours." That's he hilarious. said, "It is," and he that, went down and got it. That's hilarious. <laughs> that's hilarious. That's hilarious. So, you have been attending the conventions for a while. It's been a while since you last were here, but has yes. there been somebody that in the past that you have seen that's like impressed you or somebody oh, you remember? They always have somebody great. Um, we saw Dan Harlan last night. Yeah. Love his stuff. I mean, he's, he's, he's a worker. You can tell the workers from everybody else. Sure. You can tell. Um, who else? I mean, I like everybody that's come. Yeah. You're the most famous guy that's been here, so, you know, <laughs> that's, you know how it goes. You say it to everybody I talk to. <laughs> <laughs> you say it to all the podcast hosts. I'm sure. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, they have been treating me well, and I uh, am, am, am flattered and, and uh, humbled and embarrassed. I'm glad you come. You know, so thank you. Too bad you ain't on the show. Well, yep, it would have been more stuff for me to haul. Because well, you do corporate stuff mostly, right? I do. And I have uh, just moved from Houston to the Austin area in Georgetown. Oh, okay. So I'm still unpacking stuff, and I've got another 100 boxes to unpack. Now, are you still going to open a place up down there? Are you no, okay. no. We were going to be opening up the Magic Island in Houston, and uh, there is something that's going on there right now in the parking lot, but they, uh, the owner hasn't called me to ask me, hey, are you back on as the entertainment director? Hey, back there, man. That was a great thing oh, you God. did, man. Yeah, yeah. And, and a lot of the guys that we were talking with here today who are, are you know, here for the convention, you know, like John Chirac and like... Uh, uh, Chipper Merrill and uh, Charles Bach and others. I worked with all these guys, you know, also at the island back in the day as yes, well. Sir. So that's kind of how we got to, to know each other uh, yes. then as well. But well, I, uh, I got to know the guys from Fechter's. That's how I, I met most of them because I don't hang out with the, you know, because I work all the time. So when I go to Fechter's, I get to meet the big guns then. Sure. Well, I different. understand that. You know, I was just in a very fortunate place and time, you yes. know, in history, you know, when, when that was happening. Because we were t- I was talking with Eric Buss earlier about when he was meeting all these guys and hanging out in Vegas when they were all working at the uh, Caesars Magical Empire, you know, for a few years. I was, so, I was there for four days. Were you? I've never, I never went to that place. That must have been amazing. Um, okay, this is a good story. I had to audition. Yeah. So I'll go into the room. So the night before, I said, hey, because Mickey Gillies is close to there, the bar, Mickey Gillies. They had the electronic bull there. So I rode the bull. (laughs) So for three days, I was walking bow-legged through town, (laughs) and I had to go to audition. You okay? Where you been hanging out? I said, I was at Mickey Gillies. And um, they paid me. I did two shows there. They paid me with a Magical Empire hat and a jacket. (laughs) I I got a reversible jacket that's gold on one side and black on the other. Yeah. Not many people have that. (laughs) I don't have it no more either. Oh. <laughs> Somebody gave me some money for it, so yeah, I sold it. Yeah, there you go. Um, well, I had heard that they were auditioning across the country, and in fact, the Charles Box said that he had auditioned in New York City you know, for that. Oh, yeah. See, I had, I had to go directly there. Mm-hmm. To I, Vegas. Yeah, I had to go directly to Vegas, and I had fun, but it, it didn't stay open a real long time, you know? Yeah. Uh, what were the opens? I can't Seven remember. years, I yeah, think, something or something? Like that, yeah. And they went through like three owners, and that That's, was the, That always causes problems for everybody, mm-hmm. unless you live out there. Yeah, unless you what? Live out there. Oh, yeah. If you live, yeah. on that list, you know what I'm talking about. Yep, yep. I know what you mean. Uh, that's true. So when's the last time you've been to the castle? Uh, 
I was working there this past uh, February. That's my fault. Okay, I thought it was February or March. Yeah, it was recent. I was working the parlor. That's that's yeah. good. Yeah. yeah, I'm trying to go back out there. Last time I was there, was 2006 or seven. Yeah. yeah, I just don't have time. You know, it seems like with everything it's, else, and it's which, an ego thing. You know, you just go out there to have. I know. do go out there to have fun and uh, see some old friends and everything. It's just a, it's, a, it's a great great place. The Academy of Magical Arts. I can't say enough. You know, nice things uh, about yes, it certainly. Sir. But the uh, uh, when I was performing there, that's the first time in 40 years that I actually had performed in the parlor because I always worked the close-up gallery. That's what. That but, but back in '83, I had uh, worked the parlor with my wife, and I hadn't been back because again, I worked the, uh, the close-up. And so I was talking to Jack Goldfinger about that and said I'd love to get back. Well, Jack, so, I said, hey, yeah, tell me you need a redneck in there one every now and then. <laughs> They go, we don't need that style of magic right now. That's what I always say. <laughs> what kind of style of magic you need? That's what I need. <laughs> I'll change. Yeah. Do you need me with a mustache or without? That's it. You know, that's it. Yes, my sir. hair too long, too short. What that's can it. I do? That's it. Yes, sir. <laughs> well, Michael, good talking to you. You too, sir. Okay. It's always a pleasure. You are, the, you are the man. <laughs> so for the magic, um, the podfather of magic. There that's we go. it. <laughs> for the Magic Word Podcast. That's Michael Barefoot. Scotty out. Thank you, Scotty. One of the things that I think is exciting about this particular convention is that most general conventions have just that. They have a little bit of everything from mind reading to uh, to children's entertainment and everything in between and dealers and contests, and this has all of that and more. And the more, I think, is the Houdini collection that is uh, – the owned in large part by my next guest over here, uh, Dave Tanner, and um, also some belongs to um, Howard Blackwell. But uh, we're going to get into that here in just a moment. But the uh, fact is that we have this Houdini Lounge, if you will, that has been created up on the second floor of Charles Box Wonders Theater, so that whenever that we have the uh, cocktail hour, we can kind of stroll through there and take some pictures uh, and actually get up close and personal to some real, true Houdini stuff. It's really super cool. Well, anyhow, uh, enough of what you hear me talk about. Let's talk about from the man who owns all the stuff. Here he is, Dave Tanner. Hey, Dave. Hey, <laughs> Scott. How are you? I am nothing less than fantastic. That is also a fantastic collection. How long have you been collecting all this stuff? Oh, I'd say about 20, 25 years. Yeah. I just started actually recently. I, I guess in the whole scheme of things, considering how long I've been doing magic, I just got bit by the collection bug, like <laughs> most people, I guess. Because you've had the uh, magic shop that you own for like 25 or 6 years? 28 and a half years okay. at Broadway at the beach uh, okay. and we have a lot of fun there and you know that especially yeah. during the summer when the tourists are here and it's just packed. Do we you add it. more people like during the summer during tourists as far as having demonstrators? Or? Definitely Scott we have three people usually at night mm-hmm. I even have a headset on because during the entire evening maybe from 8 to 11 I have you know 50 people in the shop constant wow. flow wow. and I'm constantly doing my yeah. magic and it's so crazy I got to have a headset when I demo things. Now do you have a few things that are actually popular I guess with uh, newbies? Uh, like a Svengali deck, or what do you... Okay. Of course, of course. We have the Svengali deck. We actually uh, also have the sponge balls. It's pretty popular. I guess whatever we demo for that particular year <laughs> yeah. sells. And yeah. we vary it up a little bit. But most of the times I'm thinking about what I'm having for supper that night when I'm doing the demos. I do them so much. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Go to sleep with those you know, sponge balls in your mind. I'm yeah. sure that's uh, sure. difficult. Well, then after you had had that for a little while, then at some point you must have come about some uh, piece of Houdini, uh, Houdiniania uh, that you decided this is kind of cool and once you get one you can't stop. Exactly. I actually got my first Houdini item from my mentor uh, Mr. Reese Hart. He was Dr. Reese Hart. He actually worked with Houdini when he was eight years old. He got really? caught up on to the pier uh, out in New Jersey somewhere and he collected a couple of artifacts from Houdini and uh, he actually gave them to me just before he passed away and mm-hmm. that kind of got me started with it man yeah not only an interest but also get you started so this way that you didn't have a big investment to begin with getting but then once you did you probably realized oh man what am i getting into oh yeah yeah <laughs> he it was a, an original houdini photo an actual duck production which houdini used in his shows and i'm not quite sure where he acquired it but i have it out on display here but uh it's, it's like a duck bucket or what? No, it's actually based on a black art principle with mm. almost like two side panels, and it's got a black art bag built into it at a 45-degree angle where the duck hides. In today's audience, I don't think it would fool a lot of people. This is more or less geared for big 
stages with thousands of people out there. But it's interesting to have. It's well, sure. Times and things have changed. Now, certainly sure. in Houdini's day, whenever that he'd be behind the curtain for 20 minutes, you know, just kind of he would already be released, and you know, people are just sitting, waiting, breathless for him to get out. Exactly. Know? If we can get him to wait 20 seconds, that'd exactly. be great. Now, yeah. sure. Yeah. Uh, so after that, then did you start getting involved in the Houdini world uh, or collecting, or how did you start seeking out your next purchase? Well, I just uh, it just it was a gradual thing. I would yeah. see something pop up in the journals and magic magazines, and I'd say, "Hey, I'm a fly out there to bid on his magic wand, mm-hmm. New York." Or when Sid Radner collection came up, I was in that also, and that was a great day. A lot of guys that are here today were at that collection. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> I think this convention was there. Yeah, and, was there. Yeah. Yeah. and I'm sure a few others. But Yeah. Uh, now, I, I always like to uh, talk with people who have big collections of anything about uh, understanding that it's like trying to choose your favorite child, but do you have a favorite object? I love his magic wand. It was okay. given uh, – well, I, it was it – was, uh, up for bid in New York maybe about 15 years ago at one of the collections of a gentleman and this one was given to him in 1920 or 21 when they elected him president of the London Magic Club hmm. uh, and it's it's beautiful it's out there it's got solid silver tips uh, I'm not sure what kind of wood it looks like a African oak and it's got a plaque on it that actually says presented to Harry Houdini when he became president and several years later I found one of the original photos of that banquet it, He's standing up, and I put them together, Yeah, and it looks pretty cool. But. Wow, that is pretty darn cool. Now, I know also, like most collections, it seems, well, I start to say have been going up in price, but not necessarily. I was thinking about, let's say, baseball cards. You know, they had a peak, and then you can hardly give them away anymore, you know. Mm-hmm. But Houdini continues to grow. Yes, it's tough to get. I've, I also collect other artifacts from other magicians, but Houdini, nobody wants to give up the Houdini stuff. <laughs> well, obviously, yeah. obvious reasons, yeah. Even just trying to find one of his autographs, it's very expensive anymore. You know, when I I remember, oh, golly, back in the early 80s, there was uh, uh, it was a store in the mall uh, where it was an autograph store, you know, like baseball players and whatnot, and there was one of Houdini, and it was for sale for 75 bucks. And, uh, I, and I had a picture of him, and then his signature, and I thought, ah, oh, $75, I don't know if I really want to do that you know of course well, now <laughs> several thousand I'm sure yeah. yeah well that's the thing is that Houdini apparently had signed so many things he used to sign the receipts with the mm-hmm. uh, at the magic shop where he worked and he gave them freely to everybody and all the books and everything so it seems like that it should have a lower value because it's not so rare that he signed something you know right and I always, always consider myself people say what are you going to do with that stuff I'm, I'm just a caretaker hmm. I'm just holding history right now someone else will pass it on and I'll pass on someone else i mean eventually someone else will have it for another generation Mm -hmm. but i'm just a caretaker and in the meantime i'm enjoying caretaking these artifacts and so do you have these displayed in your house with lighting in the gallery and all i certainly do i have a lobby in my home where you walk in and i got it all displayed with all the other stuff but houdini is of course the principal thing it's pretty naked right now since you got looks like a lot of things here yeah people want to go to my house i live about 25 miles away from this convention but uh there's nothing there (laughs) you know even that we have a secret warehouse where we ibm meets here in one of my buildings and upstairs and I have some of the Houdini collection there and they want to see that and I said it's here it, yeah. you know, you'll go there and it's a pretty cool place we got a secret place society that mm-hmm. we meet locally and I put some of my artifacts there but uh I dare not display them in my magic shop for obvious reasons. Yeah, no, I wouldn't want people to break into the shop there either then. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, yeah, I think somebody referred to you as being a member of the Myrtle Beach Magic Mafia, you know. I think John Tudor gave me that name years ago, and I couldn't quite figure out what that meant. I mean, you know, I've one been around. Underground guys, you know, yeah. You know, been around. Yeah, one of the, it's like, if I don't like you, am I going to shoot you or cut you in half? I don't know, but it's kind of crazy. i got to ask John next time I see him why he gave me that title. But now, how do you also verify the things you have that are original? I assume that you go just by when you, you're getting something from an auction, let's say like Potter and Potter, that they're reputable, and you assume that is going to be the case. But let's say like an autograph or whatever, that how do you uh, verify and get that letter of authenticity? Well, most of them do come with letters of authenticity, but I... I, uh, you you never know. You just never, you know, I, I assume, you know, it's got a paper trail like on the Magic Wand. I got a paper trail. I got one of his straight jackets, and I got it based all the way back to his time when it was given to his, you know, when his, this person bought it from his wife huh. in the Houdini collection. I keep all that in a secure place yeah. uh, for my own personal 
you know, benefits. Now, there are a lot of people who are part of the Houdini world and collectors and everything. When I was talking with uh, Chip Romero earlier mm-hmm. uh, this evening, he was looking through this thing and he said, you know, he was trying to verify, who's is this? Where did it come from? I said, well, it uh, belongs to, to Dave Tanner. Mm-hmm. He said, I don't know Dave. Yeah, and I've so, met Chip many times and he, he just doesn't. <laughs> I'm, I'm really not that popular among these, these guys in the Houdini world and but I'm getting to know Chip. I met him the first time we were out in Houston. Yeah. When mm-hmm. that's the first time I met Chip. Of course, he don't remember me. But <laughs> well, well, he you know meets a lot of people, particularly when you're sure. on a cruise ship. He knows a lot of people and everything. Exactly. Then uh, traveling around, then as well. Obviously, the John Cox is a good friend of yours. I assume, and you talk with him on some sort of regular basis. You know, John. Well? Uh, I've talked to him at uh, the collectors. There was a collectors convention in Orlando mm-hmm. recently, uh, uh, in January, and. Uh, Dan Stapleton puts it on, Magic oh. Palooza or something, yeah. I think it was called. And I, I think I met John there for the first time. So that was recently I just met Was he him. presenting or why was he out there? He was in a, he was selling stuff or booth. Oh, yeah. I was going to say if most I of the remember, time. I may be wrong, but I think it was him, yeah. I didn't know that he actually uh, was a dealer and had things that he sold. Well, maybe he did. <laughs> maybe it was someone else. Yeah. I was just, I'm not quite sure. I mean, like. I know Arthur Moses was selling stuff. I don't know if you know Arthur, because I was just at the collectors in Cleveland, and uh, Arthur had a table. If you know Arthur Moses from Mm -hmm. Fort Worth, um, well, uh, he had sponsored the uh, uh, original Houdini seance, you know, the Radnor thing, uh, that they go around. I understand they're going to be having that coming up in uh, Charleston this year. That's right. Blackwell's going to be doing it at Holy City Magic, and I think he's taking uh, reservations as we speak. That's what he was saying to me last evening. Uh, But uh, when they had this in Fort Worth, they had it because of the collection that uh, John or that uh, Arthur has, and I was the uh, medium for that. In fact, and John Cox had come out and he was giving a little presentation to the group there that evening. It was open to the public. It was a very, it was a fantastic thing. Oh, and wow. for those who are interested, you can go back and take a, a a look at or listen to the episode where we had talked with uh, all of these guys and uh, just do a little uh, search for. Uh, Houdini Seance, and it'll pop up then, and go back and listen to a uh, fascinating episode. And also be sure to uh, check out the pictures uh, that we took of uh, different handcuffs, and then uh, I think it was Sid Radner's son, who was the one who's kind of continuing on. Isn't that right, or is it? I am not. I'm okay. not sure. Yeah. Uh, but anyhow, uh, so a lot of really cool things that you got over here. It's wonderful well, that you. you happened to actually, they called on you to do it, and you willingly said, yeah, sure, I can do this. Or have yeah. you done this before? It's the first time? Uh, we actually did it Magic at the Beach the very first year. We had a Houdini. The theme was Harry Houdini. I had part of the collection there. Of course, I've expanded since then. This is yeah. about 12 years. This is our sixth, no, our fifth convention with Magic at the Beach, I think. Okay. We did, let's see if I can remember, 2010, 11, 12, maybe it's the six. I'm not quite sure. Okay, because I know that they haven't done this for like about the last 10 years, right? Right, and, and Roman LaPree and I were the chairman on that, and Roman's still here. He's kind of behind the scenes doing I, stuff for yeah. us. I Great just guy. played golf with uh, Roman uh, yeah, yesterday. Right. How'd you do? Oh, you? We had a lot of fun. Yeah. <laughs> I usually shoot a 75, but that's on, only in the first nine. <laughs> Bird, that well, you would have been fine then with our group, you know, then yesterday. Yeah, Roman's a great guy, one of the smartest businessmen I know. I don't know since he was 14 years You're old. You're not the first person that has told me that. Yes, very, I'm very He's talented. Mm-hmm. got a photographic memory. Maybe mm-hmm. people don't know that, but he does. He mm-hmm. really does. Interesting. Well, again, uh, really cool stuff that you've got out there. And, uh, again, Howard had brought some things to, to complement that then as well. And, and it's I just like cool. thank Howard for doing that. Mm-hmm. He's, got a, he's got some needles and everything else out there, yeah. a couple of magic ones from Houdini's house. And uh, mm-hmm. I, I've already thanked him, but I need to thank him publicly in one of these uh, one of these shows right before the show, if I remember. So The poster you've got out there of Houdini, yeah. uh, that is, is that like a two-sheet or what uh, size is that? Do you know about? Well, it, it's it's hard to because it's horizontal. It's kind yeah, of, yeah, yeah. It seems like it would be about the size of a three sheet poster. I guess mm-hmm. if it was standing in the end. I got that actually when I picked up the Houdini wand up in New York. Okay, that so you've had that a while. Yes, I had it. Because I had posted a picture of that on my Facebook page uh, on my timeline photo. I just I thought that's just an awesome picture. I think you took the picture actually. Of the I, last did. Night. <laughs> I did. And so I posted that and someone had come back and said, hey, I think that's available at Potter and Potter for like $2,500 right now. And I mentioned that to... Um, that's pretty cheap. Uh, it's, well, <laughs> I said that to, uh, to Chip and he said, no, that's the starting price. He said it'll go, but go for a lot more than that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I actually had that one restored. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was in pretty bad shape, but I it looks brand new. Yeah, but it's on, I've had it rolled up for many, many years, and that's that's a cardinal sin, of course. Yeah. But uh, I need to 
look over it a little bit more. A couple of the glue pieces are coming off of it, but it's nothing to beat. It's very minor, but right. to me, it's very big. It gives the authenticity also, you know, and some, it tells a little bit of a story, you know, about yeah. that being old and kind of cracked a little bit like that, too. Yeah, I think that was one of his posters before he uh, passed away during a mm -hmm. Halloween show he was doing back in 24, 25, maybe? 26. 26. Yeah. That's right before he opened yeah. Uh, and so just to wrap up over here, when you were saying that you are just going to be a curator for a while for the next generation, sure. have you made provisions or have you thought about that as far as how you're going to be willing this to somebody or going into uh, uh, another auction or what have you thought about? I haven't given much thought. I'm a, I'm a I mean, you're younger single, than me, but I'm we're, a single <laughs> guy. I have yeah. no family. Well, I have no kids. And uh and I don't know, my friends tell me my ride's almost over, so I better get on the ball and figure this out. <laughs> <laughs> it's hard to do, and time goes so fast. And it's funny because the same guy that said my ride's almost over, we went to kindergarten together, so That's obviously it's my same. His is too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I'm not sure what's going to. Uh, hopefully, I have a lot more time to think about it, but you're right. It brings up a point. I better start thinking soon. Yeah. Yeah. My ride's almost over. Well, I just uh, I made a big move uh, myself, and uh, it's been an easy move yet a difficult move because I'm downsizing, and I don't know what to get rid of and how to get rid of it and what to do with it. I just didn't want to burden my kids with it after I'm gone, you know. Oh, okay. So. Well, heck, you know, enjoy it. you still got plenty of I years. I do. Oh, well, I do. Yeah. yeah. I'm a young guy. Yeah. Dave, thanks very much. I appreciate hey. your time, and I appreciate you bringing all this and really cool you. stuff. And thank you for coming to Magic at the Beach. I'm having a great time. This is everyone. I mean, there's Southern hospitality is shining bright here. Yeah. We <laughs> like to have a good time. We like, to, we like to learn a lot of things here, but we also like to have fun and then yeah. the after hours and yeah. all. So. Boy, yeah, I don't know when I'm going to get sleep. I, me neither. <laughs> <laughs> it's been great. So for the Magic Word Podcast, that was Dave Tanner, Scotty out. Well, we just uh, saw an evening show, which was fantastic, and it was open to the public, and I don't think there were a lot of seats left for the public, but those who were there, I think, really enjoyed it. And I'm going to talk about it a little bit here in a minute with my friend, who is uh, one of the uh, performers and talents this year, and he's talent wherever he goes. <laughs> here he is, Chipper Bear. Hey, Chip. Hello, Scott. Always good to see you, man. So good to see you, about you this too. evening show? Oh, it was wonderful. Yeah. It was I, wonderful. I know some people have not seen Kerry Pollock before and he was in prime condition it looked like tonight you know as a comedian uh, absolutely MC. absolutely yeah. i liked his bird yeah that bonesy the bird was funny I liked it's, the bird it was funny uh had uh let's see wacky chad did uh, pogo stick uh, jumping around and yes. street stuff yes and eric and 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 eric and, 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 and uh um Whatever, ask me questions. But yeah. Whatever. <laughs> but you enjoyed the show. Of course so, I did. Now, I know that you're going to be uh, here talking about some of your collection, uh, Doug Hay collection. I'm, Is that I'm, right? I'm here to do the, the lecture I did at FISM. But you said you got some new stuff since then. It's, I always add to it. I know. I, I'm working on it every, every, I mean, at least, I don't know, not in the last month, but last, in, like every other month, I always revisit it mm -hmm. because I'm always getting new pictures and sure. stuff. Uh, the newest acquisition, and I want to thank David Ben for this, is the negative to the Time Magazine collage, oh, which boy. I talk about in the lecture. Yeah, I remember that. And so now having that negative, that means I'll be able to put it in the book. Okay. So I'm really happy about that. Do you have photos of that that you're going to put like in a... I, I don't because the you... negative is not with me yet. It is okay. it, it is in shipment okay. because, I, because I just finished 20 shows at the Magic Castle. Oh, that's right. You uh, and John Schrock just got John back. John Schrock and, right. and Mary invited me, and yeah. we did 20 shows. We rocked the castle. We were exhausted. Yeah. And then I flew home, and then the next day I jumped in the car and drove 14 hours and 37 minutes because I had to bring Doug's zigzag and Doug's girl on three swords for my talk. Yeah. So that's so I'm still tired, um, and it's bad when you're too tired to have a Heineken. I can tell you, when you're too tired to have a Heineken, it's really bad. And I know whenever you uh, acquire these things, you drive a long distance because you go and pick them up and talk to somebody personally. You're like, if you're going to go talk to family in Canada or and or, and you know. in in November, in the first two weeks of November, I'm still talking with Nancy Henning. She's going to be at her, sister. At the sister, Nancy Henning. She's going to be at her cabin in Mesa. Arizona, Arizona. Okay. and I'm driving to Arizona. They found eight boxes of Doug's memorabilia in oh, Carol's basement, my gosh. and I've been trying to get this stuff now for months. Yeah, I even drove my car up there in the middle of snow and wrecked my car. Oh my. Then I had to fly back and take care of my dad. So yeah. it has been an amazing whirlwind yeah. of a, or a barrage of emotions. Right. But Nancy still has those things, and and I'll see that in November. And I've also been lucky enough to acquire a couple of his illusions lately. I picked up the 21-person production cabinet, which he used on his uh, on his seventh special. 
uh, along with 21 cheerleaders, uh, the Los Angeles Rams that. cheerleaders, yeah, and Bruce Jenner. And okay. so and so I picked that prop up. And a silent sleeper, I was really, really fortunate to pick up a little, little by little. Now, I don't know where Doug performed it, but I know it was Doug's. And Ed Alonzo, uh, when, I, when I was at the castle, Ed Alonzo said down. You never down, did it on a special? Not on a special. Okay. But it was his. And Ed Alonzo bought it from the first auction. And Ed said, yeah, we used it a little bit, but, you know, we, it just wasn't for me. Yeah. And it's been just sitting with a guy named uh, Noah. And Noah gave me a call and said, uh, I've got this thing. Well, we validated it. It was Doug's. And so yeah. and that was, so I, I acquired something I didn't even know was out there. Holy moly. And, uh, and there's other things. There's actually some things that I'm keeping secret right now until yeah. I get them. Now, I know so. you're working on a book, which everybody's actually waiting, and that's going to be like forever, because it seems like the things you keep acquiring, it's like, I'm gonna, this is going to be in the book, or this is going to be in the book. The problem is, I've, I've got, I know too much. You do. And I'll tell you who's helping me, and we just happened to be at his wonderful theater, Charles Bach. Yeah. Wonders. His, his a magical experience. is absolutely incredible. It is here. And Charles really wants to help me with this. And he's he's actually driving me to, to get off my tail and actually make something happen. Mm-hmm. And so Charles is going to help me. But what I'm thinking now, I'm wondering if it shouldn't be a trilogy because I'm waiting around too long. That's and there is so much information on just Henning and Mars alone. And so I very well might just write a book. Of, oh, and Gene Anderson's introducing me to Mars in a couple of weeks. And I'll have all my ducks in a row, all of the uh, all of the memorabilia, and I'll be able to ask Mars certain things, and maybe she'll bring back some memories or bring back some memories for her. Right. So, as I, as I like to say, um, I continue my education. I, I attack Doug's career in different sections. Like I still don't know that much about Merlin. I didn't see Merlin. I, right. I've read the script, but I don't know that much about Merlin. Mm-hmm. But I know a lot about the magic show from people helping me sure. with that. And I know a lot, a lot about hitting in Mars from all the stuff I have. Just real quickly for people who are wondering, say, who's Mars? That was the one that predated Debbie Henning. Wait, well, that yeah. was Mar- yeah. he met Mars in college. Yeah. And her name is Marston Barrick. And that's when he also met Ivan Reitman. Oh, So, wow. okay. yeah, they went to college together. And then Doug and Mars, it was Henning and Mars. They even went to Barbados and performed. Uh, and then he, Mars was with him in Spellbound, which was the show they did that predated the magic show yeah so they got they got when he when when they wrote the rock spectacular spellbound that was henning and mars Mm -hmm. and then henning would come over to new york for the magic show that was in 74 yeah and mars would stay in canada and do a show with maya and it was mars and maya doing a show Hmm. so 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 i'm just saying there's so much information on henning and mars and this is all information that nobody knows about. Most people yeah. only know him from the first special, and they only know him through the specials. Right. So it, it's be really cool. And in my talk, I talk a lot about that. I, I show a lot of pictures and stuff that, that nobody's ever seen. Well, when we're talking about the book, the first thing that I was thinking, obviously, is just get out part of it. You can put in another one later. You can add to the first one, or it can be uh, a series. It could be several volumes. That's why I wish Walter Blaney, for an example, would have put together at least something. And even if, though he may not have ever gotten to a second or third, but well, he that, just had a lot of ideas. He just never... That manuscript is in Dan Summerstein. I know hands. Dan's working on it, and I, hopefully he'll complete hopefully, that. Hopefully. Because I Dan, know, Dan is actually... T- taking his legacy quite quite fine. Oh my gosh, has it? Uh, yeah. Dan is making beautiful ladder levitations, yeah. and I just bought a silver hoop from Dan yeah. for my Blaney 3001. Yeah. So Dan is keeping Walter's name going and, and yeah. his, his legacy of magic. Right? Oh, yeah, the birdcage. Best birdcage ever. It is. It was the it best is. birdcage ever. It is I'm not slick. so sure about reaching under your jacket and pulling it out. I don't do that But now. the physical prop yes. and what Dan has done with that is splendid. It is. It is. Yes. Well, we could talk for hours, and we have before. And I recommend, by the way, for those of you who are interested in some more information about Doug Henning, and in particular about Chipper Merrill, to go back and uh, just do a search for Chipper Merrill on the magicboardpodcast.com website. And, uh, and, and, also, and also, they can go to Collect Magic Collector's Corner because of David Sandy and Lance Rich. That's right. What they did, a video. A, there is a two-hour session in my house mm-hmm. where Julie Newmar calls in and talks about the first special coming out Surprise of Shadowbox. Surprised that out of you, didn't it? As yes, it did. And David Copperfield calls and talks yeah. about his, about Doug's influence with him as well. Yeah. So yeah. That's, that's, that's a visual representation. And then you and I have at least three or four podcasts I, yeah, together talking. Added, yeah, together as well. The Chip. fun, the fun one was with uh, with uh, Christian Engel. That was a really fun one. Oh yeah, smoking we were cigars in the with Christian, yeah, and so that was a really. Yeah. I mean, that wasn't Doug Henning, but it yeah. was really great hanging with Christian, and that's always fun. I, I actually I listened to that not that long ago because I really I really like Christian. I forgot a lot. how good that was. Yeah. I saw him. I saw him uh, just recently yeah. um, at. Um, well, I saw him at Magic Live. So there you go. Yeah. I just yeah. saw him recently at Magic Live, and 
That was Christian Engblom from Finland. He wants to come back and uh, and we want, he wants to smoke another cigar. <laughs> I, I, I said, man, if you do that lecture tour, I'm, I'm coming right yeah. there to see. Because he talked to me about. I'm, I'm thinking about having him like uh, June or July or something. Maybe come back to to tour again. Well, I hope he comes back to Lake Charles, and if not, I'm driving to Houston. And then we're talking, uh, of course, with uh, John Chirac about maybe a, new, a lecture tour then as well. John John Chirac is is doing a lot of a lot of jobs now. Uh, because because he's got a little time, yeah. and uh, but it won't be long before he's snatched up oh and busy again. But yeah, yeah John yeah. would like to do it. We talked about that earlier tonight. Right. right. And and today, John Chirac did an excellent lecture oh and yeah. sold lots of cards across. And and I mean, John is just a rock solid all around pro. Yeah. And remember, or just to, just to remind you, he was doing illusions, comedy, doves. I mean, they did everything at the castle. Yeah. And then I was like the little the middle breather, and I could come out and talk about Doug Henning and do my Lincoln ring. Yeah. So it was a yeah. it was a great castle show, and uh, and we're here again. And that's what you're going to do tomorrow night. I guess you're going to do the Lincoln do, rings. You're going to do the uh, flexible I'm, mirror. I'm going to give you an exclusive, and this and this I'm going to say it on stage tomorrow. Okay. But when I first started working on cruise ships, I mean, very first, the cruise director said, "Hey, what do you want me to say about you?" And I was so green, I didn't really have an intro. Yeah. And I had no nothing to talk about. And so I said, I don't really know, you know. And he goes, you know what he goes, I'll do is I'll say direct from the Magic Castle. And he goes, Chip, these people know that if you play the castle, you know, then you're good. Right. So if I say direct from the Magic Castle, they'll automatically think you're good, and that's what we'll do. I have used that introduction for 30 years of my career. This is the first time ever that I'm truly going to be direct from the Magic Castle. Correct. <laughs> and I am retired. I got off ships four and a half years ago. Yeah. So my intro for the first time ever will be legit tomorrow night. <laughs> I like it. I love it. And I love you. Chip, love you, good man. talking to you, man. So for the Magic Word Podcast, I think that's a wrap for our day two. We'll come back tomorrow. We're going to have day three coming up. Magic that was, on the beach. <laughs> Magic on the beach. That was Chipper Merrill. Scotty out. Yeah.